You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Boot computer, list of today's guests, signing in chat room, lining up news articles, checking levels, adjusting cameras, secure wire connection, restart computer, checking video feed. With all she's got to do, you'd think Nicole Sandler was a one-woman band. Well, she is, and she's ready for another show. And now, here's the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. Ah, welcome to a Monday. It's a brand new week and a lot to talk about. Um, much of the small talk and all, all the stories that we're not going to get to today, we will get to tomorrow because Gotta Laugh will be here. And, you know, when she's here, we just <laughs> talk about anything and everything. But today, given the um, uh, the, the the things that happened the end of last week, you know, the superseding indictment. Who do I call? <laughs> Who are you going to call when, um, uh, you know, there's big stories dealing with the former guy and prosecutions and trials and indictments? Oh, my. Marcy Wheeler. So as usual, you know, Marcy is living in Ireland these days. So with the time difference, we always we record in the morning. So we spoke at 10 this morning. So, um, you know, this is all as of 10 this morning, 10 Eastern this morning. So with no further ado, let's do what we do and uh, talk to Marcy Wheeler. Talk to you on the other side. Welcoming back to the show, Marcy Wheeler, who just does the best job of covering all the stuff that's going on uh, at emptywheel.net. It should be one of the first stops in your morning reading every day. So, you know, Marcy, when I contacted you last week and it's, it looked like the new indictment was going to come down from D.C., from Jack Smith for Trump. It looked like on Thursday. So I said, well, why don't you come on Monday? By then we'll have lots to talk about. Well, we do. Although it was not the indictment we were thinking we were going to get. So Thursday finishes or the the day is winding down and we're told, all right, there's not going to be this indictment um, from D.C. But then all of a sudden we hear a um, what's it called? A 
superseding superseding indictment on the Mar-a-Lago documents, or as some would say, don't call it the documents case, call it the espionage case. Um, Whatever, we now have a third defendant added to the indictment and new charges that are even more damning. Were you as surprised as the rest of us were? What happened on Thursday? Well, let me just say that I'm going to caveat and say... We are taping this at what ten o'clock Eastern, right? And so I'm, I, you know, I would not rule out that by the time you play this, something else will have broken. So that, with that caveat aside, I wasn't that surprised. I still expect there to be at least one or more other substantive superseding on this case, or another. So the way it works, right, is if it's if it's the same indictment in the same venue then you supersede it. Okay. And generally, uh, that doesn't necessarily reset everything. Um, in this case, Trump is probably going to say, I need another, you know, seven months to prepare. Um, but they haven't, they haven't, what is new is one new defendant. And last we checked, he's having troubles finding a Florida attorney as well. Yes. Um, but it's still the same discovery. So for Trump, and this is what they're going to say. They're going to say, well, you know, the, the discovery hasn't changed. It's just that there were lots of crimes in that discovery. I suspect we're going to find that there are probably five more crimes in that discovery before we're done. But um, and, and we, you know, so what the, the new charges are based around attempts to delete the surveillance video server on June 25th. 2022. So so what happens is um, uh, for listeners, remember that DOJ subpoenaed Trump, give us all the documents with classification marks in any of your properties. And unbeknownst to DOJ, Trump was engaging in this elaborate shell game such that he moved all the documents out of the storage closet looked through them, moved half back in. And so when Evan Corcoran did a search to find what was left over, he only searched 30 of 65 boxes, roughly. Mm -hmm. And so he only found half of the classified documents, less than half of the classified documents that were still at Mar-a-Lago. And who knows where else there were documents, right? And after that, so so DOJ got that, um, and then either because they had been tipped off by a witness or because they knew something was up on June 22nd, they said to Trump's Trump, Trump organization lawyer, they said, Hey, we're going to subpoena you. Here's what we're going to send. And then that set in motion, a process whereby Trump contacted the new defendant. His name is Carlos, uh, Carlos de, de la Vera, right. uh, who is the maintenance guy. He's the head of maintenance, basically, for Mar-a-Lago. Or they're calling property manager, but same thing, yeah, I guess. Right? He's the head of, you know, whatever. Like, meanwhile, New York Times is trying to call them coffee boys. Like, you know, they <laughs> right. did this piece yesterday. They were like, oh, they're just minor players. I'm like, he's the property manager right. for a beach resort, you know? <laughs> anyway, so Carlos de la Vera, uh, Trump talks to him on the phone for 24 minutes, which for Trump is, is a long you know, time. an eternity. Yeah. And then uh, on the same day, roughly, um, Walt Nauta, who is in Bedminster with Trump, um, he changes his travel plans. He, at that point, was supposed to go to Illinois with Trump, and instead 
um, changes his plans, comes back to Florida, and it's like the Keystone Cops. I mean, people should read it, or people should read. I did a post where I was making fun of them because they, you know, here they're trying to be all hush hush. They're like sending texts and sending shush, um, shush emojis. emojis. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anyone I'm in Florida. I'm like, you know what? That's just gonna like (laughs) set off some alarms Mm -hmm. in Quantico. So anyway, so they're, they're, they're stomping around trying to be secretive and they go to, um, uh, shoot, I'm going to get his name wrong. So let me pull it up. Okay. Is it Yusil Tavares? Tavares. The IT manager. Right. Right. So Yusil Tavares, IT manager, also being called a coffee boy, but he's not. And they go to him and they're like, boss wants to delete the server. And Yusil, and this is very important for what's going to come next, Yusil says, I don't have the rights to do that. And that has been misquoted. As opposed to the right to do that. Right. So he says, I don't have the rights. And he says, contact. And in the indictment, it describes the person in charge of security for Trump organization, which is almost certainly one of the Matthew Calamari's, right? So the chief operating officer for Trump org is Matthew Calamari Sr. The security guy is Matthew Calamari Jr. They both were implicated in his, uh, in his tax fraud crime. Right. The business Um, thing that he was already indicted on in New York. They were unindicted. They're they're some of the ones getting some of the graft, uh, getting paid in like, you know, school or whatever. I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly what they were, but they were involved in that. So they're, they're obviously quite loyal and everything. Um, anyway, so Yusul Tavares, the IT guy, not a coffee boy says, I don't have the rights Meaning the, the, the privileges, the right. IT privileges. Right. I don't have the IT privileges to start deleting servers. You need to talk to somebody who's probably one of the Matthew Calamari's or the Matthews Calamari, <laughs> I guess. Um, and that's where the, that's where the indictment ends. The indictment ends with a, a charged attempt to delete the server. It doesn't end. Like it ends on June 25th, 2022. It wasn't until July 6th, 2022 that Trump delivered a disc with just four cameras worth of surveillance footage. So already, I mean, I did a post today where I described they were asked for five months of surveillance. They got uh, 62 days of surveillance. So, mm-hmm. and that's explainable, right? Like Trump organization, Yusil said we only keep 45 days. Well, it turns out they got 62 days. So okay. they got slightly more than Yusil thought he was going to be able to turn over. Um, but they also asked for multiple locations, one of which is ba- the basement by the, by the storage. Uh, closet and only got the basement by the storage closet. And there's a redaction in the search, the most recent right. search affidavit, which may explain that may not. I mean, maybe they don't have the other cameras. We don't know. Um, there, we don't even know whether all of the references to that surveillance footage was turned over in July of last year. For example, there's a reference in the indictment that doesn't show up in the search affidavit um, okay. to Nauta uh, on May 22nd going to the storage closet spending 34 minutes and then coming out with a single box. So that one doesn't show up in the search affidavit, does sir, sir, show up in, in the uh, in the indictment. So that could be one that they obtained later. 
um, the, the short version is that Trump ordered his minions, not coffee boys, the head of IT, the head of, you know, the head Man, of property manager, uh, the maintenance right. manager, his, his body man. He ordered them, uh, go destroy the footage. And, you know, for basically the last six months, we've been getting reporting that some of that footage was destroyed. And now a bunch of journalists are saying, well, it all came back. So Trump must have provided. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. no, that's, you know, nah. no, we still don't know. Right. Because the superseding indictment ends there. So with the attempt to destroy the desire, the Trump's orders to his minions to destroy them. But we don't know for sure if it, if that was accomplished. However, it doesn't matter when you're charged with a crime, the attempt is still a criminal. Conspiracy, yeah. Right. Well, what's what's important and what I've been pointing to all along is um, in April, May, a bunch of outlets, The Guardian had the best coverage of it, reported that in this time period, Nauta texted one of the Matthews Calamari, ended up being senior. So he texted the, the chief operating officer for all of Trump organization. And this would have happened in this time. This would have happened basically in the time frame after uh, Tavares says, I don't have the rights to do this. Go talk mm-hmm. to the Matthews Calamari. And he did. And, then, and sometime in the same period, Nauta texts Matthew Calamari and Matthew Calamari testified before the grand jury in, uh, in, May, I think he was he was one of the very last people to testify in D.C. as opposed to Florida. OK, um, both of them, both Matthew, senior and junior. Um, and so uh, so we don't know what happened in the ensuing eight days, but it's possible that either the Calamari's dealt with it themselves from New York or that they did give uh, Tavares the privileges Um so, so, but look, I mean, this is still all a sideshow because something was not turned over. I, I keep saying this and it boggles my mind and people need to understand this. DO, Trump turned over to DOJ on, on July 6, 2022. Very damning footage. He turned over footage showing Walt now to basically engaging the shell game to prevent Evan Corcoran from searching half of the more than half of the boxes storing classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. He turned that over. That was incredibly damning. And yet DOJ after that came to believe there were gaps in the footage, meaning there's something more damning than that that didn't get turned over. Right. There's something more damning than that that didn't get turned over. Now, it could be simple. It could be that Trump prevented them from turning over any of the footage from from outside of his residence, which is where he was sorting through all these boxes like a maniac. Um, Or it could be that, you know, the Saudis came down in advance of their golf tournament and Mm. on the same day that Nata went into the storage area and, and spent 30 minutes looking for a box... The Saudis were there in the office. I mean, I don't know. That's a hypothesis. That's where we may go. We're nowhere near that yet, but that's why I think we're going to see some superseding indictments. Interesting. So the um, uh, so the, now they're alleging, I guess, if there are gaps in the tape, like Rosemary Woods, that somebody went in and deleted specific parts of it. This is the cover up this and this cover up puts the Watergate cover up to shame, doesn't it? I mean, this this is a bigger deal. This is a 
uh, you know, talking about national security that Donald Trump was attempting to hide the fact that he had these documents and the, the, the shell game, the moving around of stuff came after they had gotten the subpoena for all of these documents that he had. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, everyone, um, Ruth Marcus was out saying, oh, the cover-up is for the crime. It's like, no, it's not. Like, there were 32, 32 top secret, most, you know, most of them are top secret, 32 top secret documents sitting there in that gaudy bathroom next to where the Chinese and the Saudi clients were using. Right. Like, it's like, ultimately, if, if Jack Smith doesn't find a single more thing, in this investigation, that's already far worse than anything Nixon did. And you have the cover up. Um, and the cover up is interesting because we're just beginning to see people figure it out. But like the Wall Street Journal had a, had a post the other day that was typical Wall Street Journal garbage saying, oh, you know, uh, Joe Biden single handedly has has weaponized DOJ against his opponent, which, of course, is bullshit. But it was interesting because they're like, you know, this cover up. All this stomping around trying to destroy video, mm-hmm. which, you know, they didn't like right now, the Wall Street Journal believes they didn't succeed. This says that Trump's public excuses are bullshit. I mean, they didn't say bullshit. I did. Right. Like, that, right. you know, like Trump's public excuse, remember, is that he had the authority to declassify these. So uh, so DOJ couldn't come and subpoena him. And, and Wall Street Journal was yes. saying you know what, that doesn't, that story doesn't make sense if you went to this effort to destroy the video. So something else is going on. Now they still believe that he was keeping the documents because he was pigheaded. That's not going to hold up very long, but that's, that's, um, that's where we're at. Tune in next, you know, tune in. I mean, um, let me say what happened because actually when I first read the indictment, I pointed to the, the, there's a single paragraph from August 26th of last year where uh, after things start to hit the fan, Trump talks to one of his valets and says, hey, is De La Vera going to be loyal? And the valet said, yeah, he's loyal. Mm-hmm. And Trump said, and then Trump called him. Trump called De La Vera and arranged an attorney for him. We don't know how we know that yet, which is sort of interesting. But anyway, so De La Vera gets an attorney. Um, De La Vera's attorney is a guy, John Irving, who is representing two or three other Trump people that we know of. But uh but in the interim, like that was important because in both investigations, the January 6th and this, the stolen documents case, Jack Smith has been tracking um, who's paying for the lawyers and the degree to which the lawyers are giving their clients independence to, to testify. And mm-hmm. one reason they're doing that is because last fall we learned that Cassidy Hutchinson believed she had been told not to offer up information that she freely remembered. Um, and her lawyer at that time not only was a lawyer, but he was involved in some other stuff and involved in the campaign and involved, you know, so, so um, Jack Smith has been tracking this for a while. And so he's tracking it with De La Vera as well. De, De La Vera uh, has a Trump paid attorney. What, right. what happened, what got us to this indictment is that um, Tavares was given a target letter after or like he was given a target letter around the time of the first indictment, given a target letter. Um, and he decides, unlike the other two guys so far, he decides, shit, 
let, you know, let me try and talk my way out of this. And so we don't know all the circumstances of this. We don't know whether this happened in D.C. We don't know whether, I mean, it's possible, for example, he um, got a plea deal and, uh-huh. uh, you know, they charged him with perjury and, uh, and he entered into a plea deal such that he will now tell the truth and that, you know, he'll basically not go to prison. Whatever happened, some judge, and it's probably Chief Judge Bosberg in D.C., said, you know, you've got a conflict because you're represented by Stan Woodward. Oh, right. Stan okay. Woodward also represents Walt Nauta. I'm going to go to my list because I've got a growing list yes. of all the people that Stan I have it here, presents. too. You have Peter Navarro, Dan Scavino, Cash Patel, Walt Nauta, Will Russell, Brad Parscale, Kelly Meggs, who'd already been sentenced for sedition, Freddie Klein, the former State Department official who was part of the tunnel battle, and Ryan Samsel, who kicked off the entire Ryan on January 6th. So this guy, so, Woodward, is, 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 is defending all of them? He's defending all of them. And so what happened was some judge, again, probably a chief judge in D.C., said, look, you know, uh, uh, Tavares, I'm going to appoint a separate lawyer, and that lawyer is going to advise you about whether there's a conflict here for Stan Woodward to represent both you and Nauta. And he ended up getting a separate attorney, and so now he is testifying against these other guys. And if that happens with more people, you're going to start to see this snowball. I mean, it, and and this was not, this was, I mean, the problem is that Woodward represents too many people. Like, yeah. Josh Patel is another one who is involved in the stolen documents case. So, if Nauta ever has testimony against Cash Patel or vice versa, then, you know, their interests are also going to conflict. And the same thing, you know, should happen, which is a judge is going to say, you know, we think that there is a conflict for this attorney. You're going to get a new attorney. All of a sudden, an attorney's going to say, my God, you got to plead out of this because otherwise you're going to, you know, you, you stand to go to prison for 20 years and you're going to see more people uh, testifying, more people who've been protecting Trump. And um, so you could see that kind of snowball effect. Right. But but, thing, has, has De, but De Oliveira, you're saying, did find another attorney or still doesn't have one? De Oliveira has a different Trump paid attorney. But in Florida, because it always goes back to Florida. I don't know what Florida, Florida, Florida. Florida. We're going to have to. (laughs) Um, In Florida, they have pretty strict rules about whether you have to be barred locally. Mm -hmm. So in other words, like in D.C., you can have another attorney just kind of invite you in and and you know, say good words for you and then you're on your own huh. in Florida. You have to have somebody who is barred in Florida to represent you. And, and that person has to pretty much agree to represent you through the proceeding. So, um, so De La Vera today is supposed to actually just as we're speaking. Right. So I, I haven't, I, I am, I don't see whether it's going on or not because there's no media allowed in these courtrooms. Right. But, um, but uh, NBC reported that he's having problems finding a Florida attorney as well. And um, so there may be a delay because of that. But, yeah, he needs to find a Florida attorney. Right. OK, so good luck to him on that. So this this uh, may be delayed even further, which isn't that what Trump wants? I mean, first, first of all, adding this superseding indictment. Um, this, 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 the judge, Eileen Cannon, had set the trial date for May 20th. That was before the superseding indictment, which will likely push 
the trial date back a bit. And Trump's M.O. is to delay, delay, delay. So could this be part of that? Well, um, DOJ is trying to get her not to push it back. We'll see how much of a delay there is finding a lawyer for uh, De La Vera. But uh, um, the again, for Nauta and Trump, the discovery is the same. Right. What DOJ has done is give them all the discovery from all the witnesses, from all of the, you know, so they, if if it remains just these three defendants, then um, you could, you could keep adding charges against Trump or against Nauta and, uh, and it shouldn't necessarily lead to a delay in, in the trial. Shouldn't. Um, but if any more defendants get added after this, you know, like if, if somebody, you know, but, but eventually too, there, there's at least some hints that there's a different venue involved, that there's a third grand jury. Um, and most people think that's New Jersey, but I think it could also be New York. Okay. Um, New Jersey, the site of Bedminster. And of course, New York, where Trump, org is headquartered, I guess. Right. So, like, if somebody deleted video from New York, then you could charge it in New York. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's so all this stuff is up in the air. And again, as we speak, where we're recording this Monday morning uh, between 10 and 11 Eastern. So when um, this this uh, court date is supposed to be happening again, we'll know something uh, later. In the meantime, we are still waiting on what we were waiting on on Thursday. Now, this is the um, the D.C. grand jury. Uh, convened mm-hmm. by Jack Smith that allegedly is going to return an indictment on Trump's involvement in January 6th. Now, that grand jury all, reportedly only meets Tuesdays and Thursdays, so that's why they're saying we probably won't hear anything on that until tomorrow. Um, could be tomorrow, could be Thursday, could be in uh, coming weeks. Like, we don't know. Right. Um, you know, like, we assume... It is almost 100% guaranteed that Trump is not going to be arrested by 500 FBI agents showing up at Mar-a-Lago. He's going to be allowed to self-report again. But we don't know if he's going to be arrested alone or if he's going to be arrested with other people. Say he were arrested just since we, I always have to make everything about Florida. Say he were arrested with Roger Stone. You're going to arrest Roger Stone because he's a thug yes. and because he probably has phones that you haven't yet Boom. exploited. Trump well, doesn't it, use his own phones, almost, but Roger Stone does. That's just a hypothesis. I don't, I'm not saying that Roger Stone will be indicted on this one, but, um, you know, or if it's, if it's, um, if it's John Eastman, right? Um, right then you might arrest him too. I mean, when they seized his phone, they just showed up and seized his phone and they may want his new phone that he's gotten since January. Um, and so what happened on Thursday is that the grand jury, there was a delay in the grand jury because of Stan Woodward, because of different, this is <laughs> because of different Stan Woodward clients. Right. Um, and the grand jury stayed half an hour after the clerk's office. The clerk's office sent out word to the journalists who were all watching attentively um, and said, we're not going to get any more indictments today. I'm, I'm not even sure whether that was accurate. I think there were indictments that came out and like against different people. But anyway, hmm. um, and then but then the grand jury stayed a half hour later. So what happens if the grand jury votes on an indictment half an hour after the clerk's office? I don't know. It may get filed on Friday morning and it may 
you know, I, I, like, I think that Jack Smith saw how the first indictment went. He gave Trump the opportunity with the first indictment in Florida to go quietly. And Trump, of course, didn't go quietly. And so Jack Smith is not going to let Trump get the upper hand mm-hmm. the second time around. Uh, Trump's attorneys met with Smith on Thursday, and he said, yeah, another indictment, yeah. <laughs> and of course, maybe he was only talking about the one in Florida, but um, because Trump, right, he, so Trump has a has a um, target letter for, for D.C., but um, or it might not even be D.C. Maybe there's like, maybe there's a grand jury in Pennsylvania. We don't, we don't know. know. Well, the whole we thing about know. grand juries is they are secretive. They're secret. They're meant to be secret, right. So, um, so so we don't know. We don't know. And you know what? Frankly, it's good that we don't know, because if if the FBI does have other people to arrest um, and if they're planning to actually arrest them, then that secrecy is good. Like, mm-hmm. that's the entire point is they don't want Trump to sit there drumming up violence over the weekend while they prepare to address some of his co-conspirators. And, I, you know, I don't think... Um, so there were three charges listed in the target letter. Okay. One was obstruction, which we expect. This is the 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2, um, which is either the same obstruction charge that 300 other January 6th criminals have already been charged with, which is you tried to disrupt the certification of the vote count. Um, and I think that DOJ could get there with Trump just on the Pence and the stirring up violence stuff. Right. Like it doesn't have to be any more complex than that. And the reason I can tell you that is because it wasn't any more complex with that than the 300 people who've already been charged. And we know a lot about how DOJ is applying that charge because they've used it with 300 people already. Um, so that could be the obstruction charge, but obstruction could also be um, obstructing Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. Right. Witness tampering mm-hmm. because it's the same charge. So they could charge both of those things, you know, and that would be two charges. Yeah. Then there is an 18 USC 371, which is um, basically it, it's it's conspiracy and it, it it's likely conspiracy to defraud the United States. Um, and people have long thought that that's how DOJ would charge the fake electors plot. I think it's too early to charge the fake electors plot because uh, because. Uh, the grand jury is still interviewing people who will be part of that. For example, um, uh, Bernie Carrick has an interview in two weeks. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I think it's probably something different, but it could be something like the hiring Jeffrey Clark scam. <laughs> right? Uh, no, honestly. I hear you. So it could I... be, I'm going to hire Jeffrey Clark so that he, uh, so that he engages in vote fraud. So we don't know what that one is. I, you know, there, there may be some interesting or some surprise, or it could be really boring. It could be that they charge a conspiracy to obstruct under 371. Normally they've been charging an under 1512 for a long time in, in these 300 cases that I keep uh-huh. talking about. And then finally, and this is the one that is really the most interesting. Um, and, um, they uh, they said that there was going to be charged under 18 USC 241, which is the Ku Klux Klan Act. It's basically a re- restoration era thing that says when you conspire to deprive other people of their civil rights, then we can charge you with this. Mm-hmm. And um, 
for those who remember me talking about Douglas Mackey, which was basically an internet troll, a Twitter troll who tricked 2000 Hillary Clinton voters out of voting or tried to in 2016. He mm-hmm. was found guilty earlier this year. Um, hasn't yet been sentenced. We're still waiting for the post trial stuff on that. But anyway, um, in 2016, the idea is he tricked a number of Latino and black voters out of voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one way they could apply this, this law, there are many. I mean, one, one way they could apply the law is basically to say, um, in trying to disrupt the vote certification, you were trying to deprive 81 million Biden voters of their vote. That's all it would take. That's, you know, we know Trump did that. That's all it would take. But we also know that Trump did a lot to try and specifically prevent or make it difficult to count votes for especially African-Americans, but also Latinos. I mean, so, for example, Trump didn't try and prevent the vote count in Kent County, Michigan, which is where I'm still registered to vote, right? Um, He did try and prevent the vote count in Detroit. And as Bill Barr even told him, it's like you didn't lose Michigan in, in Wayne County. You did better in Wayne County in Detroit in 2020 than you did in 2016. You lost Michigan and Kent County. You lost Michigan. I mean, Kent County is um, much more white, but it's also very young. So a lot of young people are moving in. It's a cool city. Everyone should live, go there. Um, they've got a lot of cool microbreweries. It's a lovely city. Anyway, so those people, my city, is where Donald Trump lost Michigan. And the fact that he was uh, trying to discount the votes of black people in Detroit and not white people in Kent County um, is a testament that it was about race. And so you could also see something like that. And and that's where things get interesting, because honestly, Nicole, though a lot of people were aware that Trump was, was um, targeting the black vote mm-hmm. in real time. We all talked mm-hmm. about it. Right. Um, in the two and a half years since, we haven't been saying it's a crime to try and prevent black votes from being counted. It's a crime to do what Trump did to Ruby Freeman in Georgia. Right. In fact, you call out um, uh, Maggie Haberman for reporting on a, a crime without ever saying this was a crime. Oh, that's a different crime. Uh, right. But I'm just saying this is like typical. Yeah. This is what's been going on. You want to talk yeah, about I that mean, or wait, wait a minute? No, really? I should, because I think it's um, so uh, one of the things that Trump is under investigation for is raising money, um, <laughs> raising tons of money, promising to address voters uh, vote fraud, basically. Right. You know, he said, oh, vote fraud. We have to raise money so that we can investigate the vote and then spending it on entirely different things, partly on lawyers. Mm hmm. Partly on lawyers for this, but partly on lawyers for, you know, the hush payment in New York or for, uh, for all the various or, legal issues surrounding him and many of his uh, minions. Right. So there by the time this gets played, um, Trump's uh, um, election expenditures will have been filed and we know because he tried to preempt them um we know that they'll show 40 million dollars were spent on legal fees so what is happening is that trump's burn rate is faster than his fundraising rate because he's spending so much on lawyers and this is before any you know before the superseding indictment in florida before anything in georgia before the january 6th case in in dc which could be a lot of people i don't know whether he's going to pay for you know like um since we last talked 
Um, at least 17 people have been indicted in Michigan. All are fake electors right. and the people who took tabulators. I don't know who's going to pay for their defense. So um, Trump is getting to be a very expensive proposition for the for the Republican Party. And what Jack Smith was investigating. Oh, and also he's paying well, he's paying um, uh, Woodward. He's paying right. Woodward out of this money. <laughs> for, for all those people um, he's, he's defending or most of them anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what it, people remember that um, Steve Bannon's associates got prosecuted in New York for the build the wall fraud. Right. Where they said, hey, donate money to this. We're going to build the we're going to pay for the wall ourselves. And basically they paid for Steve Bannon's expensive lifestyle. And so all of Bannon's co-conspirators and that have now been sentenced to very significant sentences. Um, Bannon's going to be tried on that later this year at the state level. Um, But the idea is the same. Trump told people he was raising money for one thing and he spent it on another thing. And so you could use the very same fraud scheme for that. And that would royal a lot of things because it would mean all this money that Trump has been spending for the last two and a half years um, could be uh, in some significant risk. But it also would be, I mean, you know, Trump's supporters aren't going to care. They don't care. No. Like, you know, we already are beginning to see the reporting that this $40 million that Trump blew is basically the, the, the small money donations of maggots all over the country. And he's just blowing it on, on, on criming. Right. And they don't care. And that, and that's the thing. This is so astounding. And so, so Maggie Haberman writes a thing in the New York Times about it, but doesn't ever expressly say this is a crime. She doesn't point yeah, it out. And, right. and this is one where people close to Maggie, people who, you know, people who are close to Maggie are more implicated. And that's why I balked at it because it's like, you know, she keeps trying to cover this as something else. She keeps trying to say, oh, they're investigating whether the current spending is illegal when it's like, no, you know, you've already been told that, that, you know, and, and all of these questions about whether Trump really knew that he had lost the election are about that. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, it, Jack Smith will not have to prove on an obstruction charge that Trump didn't, whether Trump knew he won or lost. There are defendants who, like Trump, uh, were convicted of, of, of obstructing the vote certification in part by inciting others, although it wasn't charged as incitement. It was charged as, you know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage bodies to flood the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And by flooding the Capitol, I'm going to ensure that Mike Pence can't get back to what he was doing. That's the logic behind. It's not an incitement charge. It's like go occupy the Capitol, and so long as you occupy the Capitol, they can't do the vote certification. Well, so there have been some cases recently where the where the judge in that case writes down his logic, and and he's he, he you know absolutely great logic. He's like it doesn't matter whether you believed it. Because even if you believe that you can't violate the law to accomplish what you believe to be just, like, even if you believe that there was vote fraud, even if you believe that blah, blah, blah. And so um, so these questions about whether Trump knew he lost are questions about whether when he approved raising money off of off of vote fraud, whether he knew that was a lie. That's the point, whether he knew he was defrauding all of his voters. 
So, so, okay, so here's Trump already dealing with this indictment in Florida, which is now larger because of the superseding indictment. So that's grown. He's still got the case pending in New York. Um, and we're waiting on the next one from D.C. dealing with January 6th. But uh, tomorrow begins August. And we hear in August, Fannie Willis, the D.A. from Fulton County, Georgia, is ready to file charges there. She's the, the grand jury, which I guess... The one that can charge is coming into session and they will vote on an indictment on Trump um, for, I guess, voter suppression or or vote. I don't know what the charges will be, but they were already putting up barricades around the courthouse in Fulton County, I guess, anticipating crowds and trouble. For whenever that happens. Yeah, um, it actually, she could start presenting that case today. Right. There's two, two grand juries. One that sits Monday and Tuesday and one that sits Thursday and Friday. Ah. And at the end, you know, they'll know there are people, Anna Bowers, who I, who I watch closely at Lawfare, who she's from down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the local NPR affiliate is superb, their coverage. Um, there's a lot of really great local coverage coming out of Georgia. And I recommend people follow that more than, you know, cable news, CNN, whatever. Right. Um, but what they're watching those people is are these grand juries still churning out indictments um, in things like robbery or do they have a day where they don't turn anything out? And as soon as we have a day where they don't turn anything out, that's the Trump grand jury. And they think it'll take two and a half, three, maybe four days to present the case to the Trump grand jury. And so, you know, you could see these charges uh, next Tuesday, for example. Right. And those charges will be more than Trump. Those charges will be Trump and probably Rudy Giuliani and two or three local Georgians. And, you know, one thing I talked about about the Michigan fake electors is some of those people are very, very, very senior Republicans. And now they're facing multiple felonies because Trump is an idiot. And, right. and you know, um, they're having a pool party, the ones in Michigan. Um, but at some point, these people have to start have to start saying Trump is really killing. I mean, like I, I keep pointing out, there's a woman named Kathy Burden in, in Michigan, who is quite close with Ronna McDaniel. Um, and so Ronna McDaniel, by agreeing to this scheme for Trump, basically got one of her longtime political uh, associates indicted. Right. You know, and she's the one she, the, the case is strongest against her because she was one of the top people on the, on the, um, on the, on the wow. fake collector's certificate. So we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that it's like nothing we've ever seen. Right. Now, the, in the recent days, we've seen, um, uh, two people that we came to know during the January 6th, uh, uh, impeachment, uh, proceedings in the House, uh, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. Um, I guess did they win their defamation case against no, Rudy, or no. what happened with them? No, um, Rudy is trying, and the reporting on this has not been terrific. I, right. I mean, this is one case where Rudy's actually um, being more honest than the journalists. What he tried to do is so um, they are very close. Uh, Rudy and Bernie Carrick, basically everyone associated Rudy, his company, Bernie Carrick. Um, are, have all basically just tried to blow off, um, discovery in this, in, in part 
because if right so criminal discovery you know to the extent that they're investigating rudy right um they're using subpoenas and warrants and it's not rudy doesn't you know rudy got one subpoena in november and that was just for financial data that was for how he was paid by the trump campaign that's all he's everything else that jack smith has gotten on rudy has been um has been from entities other than rudy like they seized his phones back in 2021 and the stuff they seized is what they will use against him. They went to, I'm sure Google and, and got his Google stuff. They went, you know, subpoenas on a bunch of other people. Um, in the Ruby Freeman case, uh, Rudy's the one who has to turn everything over. And so he and all of his associates have been trying to blow this off mm-hmm. and they've already gotten very strong judgments against him. The judge in this case is Beryl Howell, who until recently was the chief judge in D.C., so she knows what is coming up the pike on January 6th. She knows, you know, she saw everything through mid-March. Right. Um, but there are things like, for example, Rudy used a Proton Mail account as part of his coup conspiring. His privilege, uh, his, his privilege logs right now do not include that. The privilege logs come from when they seized his phone, his attempts to keep all that stuff back. Uh huh. Um, and so there's still a Proton Mail account that if he were fully compliant with the subpoenas, he would have to turn over the Proton Mail account. Well, that's something that Jack Smith can't get easily. And so, um, so they're trying really hard not to do full discovery. The the privilege log that Bernie Carrick provided is completely inconsistent with the privilege log that Rudy did. So, you know, you can, you can basically look at it and say, why does, why does uh, Bernie still have all these documents and you don't? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm virtually certain, and I wrote a post on this last week that, uh, so these documents in the privilege log all have been reviewed by a special master. That's what, you know, I've been saying for years and people haven't believed me, but now I'm, you know, now it's virtually certain that I'm right, that in addition to looking for the materials on the Ukraine case, they were also looking for January. They, they basically said, we will do a general privilege review. And then whenever we get a warrant for anything needed on these phones, they'll come to us and we'll just give it directly to them and you won't know about it. And so that's what happened with the January 6th stuff. Uh-huh. And there were only 43 documents from that privilege review that that Barbara, Barbara Jones, a former judge in, in, in New York, deemed to be privileged. Okay. So the only things that she deemed to be privileged were his actual discussions with his lawyers, not anything he was doing for Trump. And nevertheless, Rudy is still claiming a lot of those documents are privileged. So, you know, if it proceeds, like, so basically Rudy tried to undercut, he's like, oh, I just, I won't contest anymore that I said bad things about these nice ladies. But we don't know how Beryl Howell is going to respond to that. We don't know whether Ruby Freeman's lawyers are going to be, you know, they're declaring victory because that makes sense. Right. That he confessed. uh, But, but didn't he, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like he was saying, I'm only admitting that I lied about Ruby and Shay for the purposes of this case alone. 
um, no, right. this defamation case, not anything to do with any other if he's indicted along with Trump for the conspiracy to or Dominion, yeah, or, or exactly. Dominion, right? Or or Georgia? Right? And how can you, you know, do that? I, I guess yeah, you can't. can't. I mean, it's just garbage. And so he's he's trying to say, I give up. I don't want to. I, I want to be done with this discovery process. Let's move to the next stage. And it's not clear that's going to work. It's not. You know, like there. Uh, one of the other things that didn't get enough play when he did this is that uh, Beryl Howell is moving closer and closer to holding him in contempt, which is when she can jail him. Uh huh. Ultimately, usually it would be fines, but he says he's broke, so she can jail him for being such a jerk. Um, so, you know, Ruby Freeman is closer to getting justice, but Rudy says he's broke, so it's not clear whether she'll get any money. But in the process she may make things legally more problematic for Rudy and for Bernie Carrick. Bernie, as I said, has this interview with Jack Smith next month. He might not have if it hadn't become clear that there were all these documents that now are becoming available. So, you know, everything's coming to a head. It's still going to take people, you know, it's still going to take three months. Sure. Honestly. It's not going to be tomorrow. Well, I mean, maybe, there, maybe we'll get that indictment tomorrow, but it's not like, It'll be like, um, like the stolen documents case. Like the stolen documents, like the stolen documents investigation is not over. We still don't know what happened to a bunch of the documents. Um, although we did find the one that he was bragging about that he said didn't really exist, but there it is. And it's in this, uh, uh, what, what, what is it called? The sub, the superseding indictment, this document about the war plans or the attack plans for Iran that which uh, was uh, classified top secret. Yes. So, uh, yeah, like that means he was sharing a top secret document. But again, like he's still not charged with disseminating that. And if they wanted to charge him with disseminating that, that would be um, a new indictment in New Jersey. Right. Because that was at Bedminster. Oh, my goodness. Marcy Wheeler. And we haven't even touched on. Marge showing dick pics of Hunter Biden in a House hearing. Um, you know, you've been talking about this for a while. We, we thought it was just Maddie, you know, Maddie dick pics who had the uh, obsession with Hunter's dick pics. But Marge Q. Green um, shows them in a House hearing, you know, and I understand that there are some Democrats trying to get her at least censured or something for doing that i mean are there no consequences and what Um, does what does that have to do with a you know as far as i'm concerned hunter biden's a private citizen never worked in the white house didn't even work on his father's campaign and yet this was the subject of a a major hearing in the house when and then his uh plea deal fell through so are these yeah, things- something that your listeners need to know, and I promise you I'm the only one reporting on this and I'm not making it up, is that when he testified to the House Ways and Means, Joseph Ziegler, uh, who had been anonymous until his until his oversight testimony, uh, when he was asked why wasn't this charged, he said, I was told that there were emails that might mean they couldn't charge this at all. In other words... He was given a reason why Hunter Biden was not charged, and it wasn't that they were slamming the case. It's that the prosecutors didn't think they could survive discovery. Huh. And when he 
Separately, he described that the first supervisor on this case, so the supervisor of the Hunter Biden investigation from 2018, November 2018, through early 2020, which is a key period because that's when Bill Barr was doing, you know, unbelievably corrupt things. That's Uh when Bill Barr set up the intake process for Rudy Giuliani to get stuff given to him by Russian spies to use against Joe Biden. So we're still dealing with this rot from Rudy Giuliani. But anyway, for that, like, whatever, 14-month period, um, Ziegler's supervisor was documenting problems with the investigation, including Sixth Amendment problems, meaning that there were allegations coming in from people that uh, DOJ would never be able to call as witnesses, um, like people overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was too much pressure for the investigation from Donald Trump. And that supervisor was documenting all the things that Trump was saying in his Twitter account. In addition, the other so-called whistleblower, Gary Shapley, was asked for his emails for this discovery process in March of 2022, and he didn't provide them. He just He's like, I'm not going to provide them. And so when there was a second leak or actually a third leak in October 2022, they're like, hey, Gary, give us your emails. And he got really hostile about turning over his emails. So I suspect there's also something in Gary Shapley's emails. So the guy out there attacking Hunter Biden, blah, blah, blah. In December of 2022, emails this FBI agent and says, hey, you know, if you find anything bad in my emails, can you talk to me before anything goes on about it? Because, you know, it's it's totally corrupt. Like, what are you hiding, Gary Shapley? Mm-hmm. And no one is asking these questions. But um, so my take and this my take on the plea deal is that um, the Delaware U.S. attorney was trying to sandbag Hunter Biden by getting him to agree to. Uh, basically a probation deal. Basically, you know, he would get probation for two misdemeanor tax years and he would enter diversion program for buying a gun and owning it for 11 days when he was an addict in 2018. And my take is that the uh, uh, David Weiss, the Trump appointed U.S. attorney, was trying to use the plea colloquy to get Hunter Biden to Plead to certain things, agree to certain things under oath that Weiss could then use to kind of sheep dip to restart a FARA investigation into Hunter Biden based on Biden's sworn declarations. And I don't know whether Biden said enough for them to do that, but that's what I think they have planned. And the whole Marge thing, is that just a diversion? Is that just her being her? Was there any reason to introduce those photos in that in that hearing? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that that whole hearing really troubles me. I've tried to write it up a couple of times and I just haven't had the stomach for it. Mm-hmm. That's how, like, uh, you know, I made fun of it. I made fun. Like, I think that the Democrats are being far too sanguine about what the GOP plans here. And by that, I mean, I and probably I'm sure Joe Biden is saying this, like they started by saying, look, it's it's sort of the system working. If the son of the president can be prosecuted, it's a sign uh, that the system is working, not that it's not working. Right. Um, And so that's the message they wanted to talk to. They messaged a lot about how two tiered system of justice is actually about uh, disproportionate policing of African-Americans. They talked about how um, everything that Hunter Biden is alleged to do 
Jared has done. They talked a lot about Trump's own. They talked a lot about Trump's own interference, but never brought up what I just told you, which is that somewhere in the files about Hunter Biden, there is evidence that Trump interfered in the case, whether huh. just through Twitter accounts or something more. That's it. That's in the files. And so um, I think that. Uh, the Republicans are going for broke on this one because they're they're um, extremists uh-huh. and they uh, need to drown out Trump's legal problems. And Trump is demanding. Trump is basically saying, give me what I tried to get from. I mean, he said yesterday, he's like, you should hold up Ukraine funding until we get. Uh, a criminal investigation of Joe Biden. It's like the same request he made in 2019. It's astounding. And, you know, I hate to engage in the kind of whataboutism that they do. But when I hear them going after Hunter Biden, I keep thinking, where's the investigation into Ivanka and Jared? Because, you know, that they massively enriched themselves in the years that they were in the White House that was, you know, Trump's White House. So, I, I, again, it's opposite world. And there's so much out there that... Right. I mean, even, even just Paul Manafort, if you compare person to person, because Paul Manafort, of course, was prosecuted for being a tax cheat. Mm-hmm. Paul Manafort's tax crimes are an order of magnitude bigger than Hunter Biden's. He was dealing with the same people in Ukraine. He pled guilty to Farah, which Hunter Biden hasn't done. I mean, I, you know, I think there might be merit to a Farah investigation into Hunter Biden, but he yeah. hasn't pled guilty. He hasn't been charged with it. He may not be able to be charged with it. Um, Unlike Paul Manafort, Hunter Biden did not lie to help the president. There's no allegation he's done that, whereas Paul Manafort uh, did plead guilty to that or did did was found to have lied about, you know, his relationship with Constantine Kalimnik. So even just on that, like if you have if you are silent about the Paul Manafort pardon, then you have no business talking about Hunter Biden. Right. And. Um, and that's not what aboutism. That is, you know, like if if you claim to care about corruption, mm-hmm. you have to deal with these other issues. And and Republicans don't. It's just it is it is a very 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 ugly thing, and it's going to get even uglier. And I um I just I ugh. I, I I second that. By the way, as we're wrapping up, uh, an alert just came in my email from Politico. A state judge in Georgia has rejected Donald Trump's bid to derail his potential prosecution for attempting to subvert the 2020 election results. In a nine-page ruling, Fulton County Superior Judge uh, Robert McBurney said it's simply too soon for Trump or his allies to seek to prohibit Georgia prosecutors from continuing to investigate him in large part because he hasn't yet been indicted. So, right, this is the same thing. This is the same thing the 11th Circuit did uh, when they threw out what uh, Judge Cannon was doing. It's like, um, and he's the judge who oversaw the grand jury in the first place. So, you know, um, we, there's still a conflicting, like Trump's playing all sorts of, you know, go figure he's playing shell games there as well so there's still actually a case pending there but you know Fonnie Willis is going to be able to bring her indictment and we'll see what shakes out of it um everyone thought she was going to be first and at the rate we're going she's going to be the last indictment because uh, you probably see the Jack Smith one before then 
so all this coming down the road, Marcy Wheeler, again, stay informed and up to date at emptywheel.net. Follow Marcy still on Twitter, on Mastodon, on Blue Sky. Um, but go to emptywheel.net because that's where you get all the, the, the good stuff. And here, and I'm sure we'll be talking again in the next week or two. I'm here a lot. Awesome. I love coming on. And I it's love having you. It's the best. Thank you so much, Marcy. And yes, we will pay attention this week because uh, a lot's going to be happening and and we will talk again very soon. Thank you so much. Stay cool, Nicole. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, everybody. She, um, you know, she is over in Ireland, but keeping doing better coverage of uh, 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 why is there feedback detected? Didn't I turn that off? All right. Um, I hope not. Um, anyway, uh, doing better coverage than anybody else of the stuff surrounding the former guy. Uh, tomorrow, Gotta Laugh will be here, so we'll talk about everything else that we didn't get to today. By the way, Congress is gone. They're on break for the next five or six weeks. So, perfect time for all of these Trump indictments to come down and the... Um, you know, the proceedings to begin to hold these people accountable for the crimes that they perpetrated, not only against the country, but against humanity. My God. All right. Uh, So, yes, don't forget to hit the like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Donate if you can, um, because that's what keeps us going here at the Nicole Sandler Show. Uh, I didn't get to any of the ads today, but BetterHelp, NOM, BlendJet, there are links on my website at NicoleSandler.com, right on the front page to support our sponsors. So those links you click on, you get the special deals they offer and do check them out. I only take on sponsors that I honestly um, use their products and, and endorse them. All right. What are they taking a vacation from? <laughs> Chris asks, um, who knows from showing up to work every day. That's what. Uh, yeah. So anyway, again, got to laugh back tomorrow. Uh, Jason Leopold will be here Wednesday, and then we'll see about the rest of the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a great night. Until tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>